We need some serious cruise control. We have to go back. Welcome back to the Flashback Flicks Retro Movie Podcast. I'm Ricky. I'm Grayson. And today we're all collateral. <laughs> because we're reviewing the movie Collateral. Not collateral damage. Not definitely not collateral beauty. Just collateral. It's cleaner. It is cleaner. Uh, so we are reviewing this movie because Stuber is making its way into theater. So we decided to take a look at Stuber, the gritty action <laughs> movie. It was actually more similar than I anticipated. I, I think we've had uh, movie selections that are way off. But this one this one seemed right in the strike zone. Mm-hmm. We finally did it. We finally did it. We can retire now. Oh, what a good life. So if you don't recall uh the movie collateral is a movie all about uh, basically a cab driver who picks up a hitman and he has to take him to all his different hits throughout the night and very dramatic antics ensue mm-hmm. and it stars tom cruise and jamie fox now this uh was kind of like jamie fox's break one of his breakout roles um previously he was mostly known for his comedy he had been on living color he had his own comedy show the jimmy fox show uh very uh robust stand-up career uh but this is one of his breakout roles but this movie actually came out the same year that he did ray uh, Ray oh, came yeah. out later in the year That's huge, uh, before yeah. people were like oh jimmy fox is like a dramatic actor and also uh can sing very well yeah the soloist also helped to kind of solidify where they're like jamie fox the actor (laughs) Uh, and it was interesting because i i heard him on a talk show one time talking about the difference between going from when he was a comedian versus when he became an actor and he was like the difference is the way that uh women will say your name because he's like he said when he was a comedian they were like oh jamie you're crazy Oh, oh jamie he's like when you're an actor it's like Oh, Jamie. Oh. So to hear him talk about that transition is is pretty entertaining. Yeah. Now, the concept of Collateral uh, actually started way back in Australian writer Stuart Beatty's 17-year-old childhood when they got into a cab from the Sydney airport and had the idea of a homicidal maniac sitting in the backseat of a cab with a driver nonchalantly conversing with him, trusting the passenger implicitly. So the original idea of that got turned into a two-page treatment called The Last Domino because it sounds super cool. Mm. Uh, And originally, that story followed an African-American female cop who witnesses a hit and the romance between the cab driver and his then librarian girlfriend. Uh, But after several rewrites and, you know, different evolutions of that script, it eventually made its way over to DreamWorks where Mimi Leder was initially attached to direct until it passed on to, um, sorry for butchering your name, uh, Janusz Kaminski, uh, and it wasn't until Russell Crowe became interested in playing the role of Vincent that the project started generating any kind of heat. Uh, and then Crowe brought in Michael Mann, but because of the constant delays, Russell Crowe eventually left the project. And then Mann immediately thought of Tom Cruise, the idea of him playing the hitman and Adam Sandler. 
as oh, a cabbie. Wow, that would have been such a different movie. <laughs> a completely different movie. Like, uh, because oh, yeah, it would you have... know, I just want to drive limos and uh, right. Yeah, live and on also... an island. <laughs> And also, uh, it would have taken place in whatever vacation spot Adam Sandler wanted to go to. So yeah. it would be a, like Hawaii, mm-hmm. um, or you know, the Eiffel Tower. It's like what what it would it be like if uh, you know you went to Paris? He was a cab driver for the Eiffel Tower, you know. Yeah. But ultimately, Jamie Foxx made his way to the picture, and we got the movie that we have today. So Collateral uh, had a budget of $65 million, and it was very successful. It made over $270 million in the box office. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was widely received well. In fact, it gave Jamie Foxx his first uh, Academy Award nomination. Uh, it was pretty contentious, too, because he was nominated for Best Supporting Actor, and a lot of people argued that, like, he was the main actor. I mean, he uh, is th- the title character. Because if you're wondering why it's called collateral, there is one line that he says very quickly where he says, I'm just collateral. And uh, so Jamie Foxx is collateral. Actually, Grayson, you want to hear something crazy? I do. Okay, so although Max refers to himself as collateral, that's not how the movie got its title. Oh, tell me. In the original script... Uh, Vincent's professional name was Vincent Collateral. Nope. 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 Try it again, Stuart. (laughs) Try it again. And there was a deleted scene that confirmed it, but the title was considered for a change after the unsuccessful release of Arnold Schwarzenegger's Collateral Damage in 2002. Mm. But everyone agreed that they shouldn't avoid a title everyone liked just because it echoed a movie that no one cared about. Yeah. So the acting in this movie was really great. Uh, and a lot of that is due to the Stanislavski, sorry, method <laughs> acting done. <laughs> I mean, people who know what it is will know what it is. So uh, I uh-huh. think we can move on. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> uh, and according to uh, Michael Band, both Cruz and Fox uh, took on roles to get ready for the role. So Jamie Foxx actually trained as a cab driver uh, to be a cab driver for this movie. And because Vincent is a man able to get in and out of anywhere without anyone recognizing or remembering him, to prepare for the movie, the legend goes, Tom Cruise had to make FedEx deliveries in a crowded Los Angeles market without anyone recognizing him. Oh, that's interesting. I want that to just be a show on TV. <laughs> uh, call it Incognito. And they have Ooh. to, very famous people have to do very normal things without being noticed. I actually think they could get away with calling it Stuber, where it's just Star <laughs> Uber. Uh, and you just have to, like, not recognize uh, who your Uber driver is. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that is the history kind of going into this movie. Now, this was actually my first time watching this movie. And I, I mean, my first reaction to the whole thing was just like, um, getting a cab in L.A. at this hour? <laughs> Mission Impossible. Uh, but other than that, I I really enjoyed the movie. I, and it wasn't what I was expecting it to be. Uh, but it also... Because, like, there's so much relationship yeah. uh, happening between uh, Vincent and Max. And also, uh, Jada Pinkett-Smith is in this movie? Mm-hmm. Like, that blew my mind. Uh, but her relationship... 
with Jamie Foxx's character. I was just really impressed with how deep and connected all the relationships were between all the characters in the movie. Because uh, I was just expecting just like, you know, standard, like gritty action movie. Um, but it was really all about the relationships. Yeah. I, I was just really impressed with that. Yeah, totally. I saw this movie when it was in theaters when it first came out. I haven't seen it since then. Um, but I definitely only remembered the main two actors in this. I didn't know Jason Statham was in it uh, right. for one line or whatever. That's incredible. Uh, Jada Pinkett Smith, Mark Ruffalo, I didn't realize uh, was in it. And I think the really interesting one, though, is Javier Bardem, because this was three years before his breakout role as Anton Chigurh in No Country for Old Men. And I, this isn't like a headcanon or anything. I was just scrolling through his IMDb, and I thought it was interesting that he plays Felix in this. And then in 2015, he played another character named Felix in The Gunman with Sean Penn. So mm. I don't know if they're connected, because I've never seen The Gunman. I assume they're not, but maybe they are. Or maybe he just plays characters named Felix, like how Jack Nicholson plays characters named Jack. Yeah. I mean, so since you saw it before, what what did you notice this time around besides that actors were in it? I'd say the entire second act. All I remember was the line of, you killed him. You're like, no, I shot him. The bullets in the fall killed him. Because as a kid, I was like, oh, what a cool line. <laughs> And uh, I remember the very end. And I feel like it's, that's usually what I forget when we watch a lot of these movies. I forgot like how it ended exactly. But the ending of this movie was crystal clear. I knew that, the spoiler alert for the movie, I knew that he was going to die on the train. Uh, I, that's the image that I have most clearly from this movie. So when he was telling the story, and he says it again, as he's dying, I just didn't remember it where he's like, the man died on the subway and he, people didn't notice and all that. When he said it again, I was like, oh, nice. But that was really it. I remember Tom Cruise's awesome gray hair. Um, I remember the line about the fall and the bullets and stuff. And I remember him dying on the train. Everything else was hazy. Uh, so it was like I was watching it for the first time, and I really enjoyed it. I was really able to appreciate it a lot more, and I got my reasons to recommend, but uh, I'll wait till the end for that. But it it was uh, fun re-exploring this film. Yeah, and I realized watching this movie, I didn't really understand what collateral meant. So I did some Googling. And so I looked up the definition of the word collateral. So collateral is something pledged as security for repayment of a loan to be fortified in the event of a default. So I just realized that I've just gone a lot of my life not knowing what collateral meant. So that's one of my experiences of this movie, learning that word's actual meaning. Oh. and because it just has come up in normal conversation. But I also just really appreciated the like, like I said before, I love the relationship between uh, Max and Mr. Collateral um, <laughs> because it, it really felt like I just felt really sorry um, for Vincent. Like mm-hmm. Vincent seemed like he really did like Max as like a friend and he just like really cared about him. And yeah. so I... I was very conflicted throughout the movie. I'm like, oh man, I really hope that he kills all these people. Like it's 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 weird because you, you're rooting for him, 
because uh, he's involved in such a risky business. And um, <laughs> and you you just really are rooting for him in a weird way. And, and that's that's uh, I think that's just a testament to the writing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I just I just found myself just really I just like, I hope they just become friends after this. Yeah, like I, I just hope that they just get along, and then he ultimately just, you know, wrapped himself in bullets like a mummy. Um, <laughs> well, and it's true he fights his way throughout the entire film, and I think you see two characters that really fight for what they want. Max has a really clear desire of the Island Limo Company, and Vincent, you he says like these are bad guys, and you're like maybe he's like a vigilante type, and he. He, he shoots his way out of every situation, and ultimately, you just hope that he's the top gun. And I think that's um, that, that's something that we can all really get behind. Yes. Oh, yeah. That's what I was rooting for the whole time, Grace. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he wasn't even in it for Show Me the Money, Jerry Maguire. So... Those are my biggest reactions to the movie. I uh, it, it was released on VHS and DVD, and um, and only on widescreen because you, you don't want to crop in and miss any of that action. No. Not the full vista. Yeah, you watch this thing on a airplane movie screen from 1995. Forget about it. You won't know what's going on. You won't even know. You'd be better off just looking at the window and looking at a vanilla sky. So, wow. Wow. Uh, <laughs> so, I, I think Collateral is a really good name for this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, especially since it's the title character's last name. Sure, yeah. Mr. Collateral. Um, yeah, Mr. Collateral. I really think that they could easily call it Mr. Collateral colon goes to headcanon. Headcanon. Headcanon is a part of the show where we share a few unique ideas about the movie based on evidence provided by the film. So when I watched this movie with my wife, she said, okay, I really hope that Mark Ruffalo lived. I mean, he's a cop. Maybe he's wearing a bulletproof vest. Yeah, maybe. Uh, Yeah. And so I said, oh, oh, I think he did. I think he lived a long, incredible life. He's like, he gets out of uh, the police gang. He's like, oh man, you know what? I, 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 I've tried doing like saving people and protecting people this way. Maybe I could mm-hmm. go more into the sciences. You know, a less bullety uh, place. And so he goes on to be a scientist, and he takes on a new name of Banner, Bruce Banner. I love the idea that Bruce Banner's backstory was that he was a narcotics officer. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it really puts a lot of grit on him. It sure does. And Tom Cruise has such a long career. I and I always try to place him in some kind of a Cloud Atlas type thing. And mm-hmm. it's just so hard to place him there. Yeah. So um, all I'm going to say in that regards is that this is an elseworld for um ethan from mission impossible okay. so this like instead of becoming like uh, a top agent mm-hmm. um he became just a man for hire who did take on these impossible hits but he just kind of lived this very invisible very um private life because he is the opposite of ethan in the sense that he always tries to accomplish his missions solo and with as few ties as possible. Mm-hmm. Whereas Ethan can only do it with 
a network and team of people. And mm. really his downfall was his isolation. Yeah. And not looking after his suitcase. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. His nice. dossier. Yeah. His dossier. Got to protect that dossier. Yeah. 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 Imagine if Ethan had to take a cab everywhere. It'd be <laughs> much, much different. That That is mission impossible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that, that's my headcanon. I like it. That's great. I, Ricky, I got to say, I'm so excited for this headcanon. And um, I was terrified that you were going to double up on it. So uh, I'm glad that we can coexist peacefully <laughs> in this headcanon universe. You know, Grayson, now you mentioned that, no! I think. <laughs> I need this. Um, my headcanon is called Collateral Fiction. And my headcanon is that this Vincent is an older Vince Vega from Pulp Fiction. Now, last time we saw Vince, he had been shot by Bruce Willis and was bleeding in, in the tub. Led, we're led to believe that he died. But what if he didn't? What if he was able to drag himself out of the tub? What if a neighbor heard, called for medical help, uh, and he survived that event? That would greatly shape the direction of his life, especially without Jules as a partner, since he has to work solo now. So, basic similarities that lead me to that, obviously, one, the name. His name is Vincent. He's a hitman. He wears suits. He has briefcases. He doesn't drive himself, because Jules drove everywhere. Um, and he likes to put stuff in the trunk. So, uh, that was kind of like the basic uh characteristics of connecting the two i think it explains the gray hair it's a new look it's shorter um transitioning from the black suit to a gray suit i think is also metaphorical of his progression through through all that but let's talk about timeline so he says that he's only been doing this five to six years before he goes into he sends max into felix's club he says i've been doing this five to six years I think that's how long he hasn't been working for Marcellus Wallace. I think that's when he transitioned out, which would explain why he got out of L.A. and why he is reluctant to come back and stay for any uh, length of time, really. He flies out the next morning. I think there might be some, some bad blood there. And that's why L.A. makes him nervous. As soon as he's here, he wants to leave. Um He also, when they're at the jazz club, they talk about, he talks about 10 years from now. He says, most people have the same job, same routine. 10 years from now, you don't know where you're going to be 10 minutes from now. This movie came out exactly 10 years after Pulp Fiction. So I think he's reflecting back on 10 years ago, how different his life was in the same city, Um, which is an interesting connection. I also toyed with the idea that if Marcellus Wallace is no longer in the picture, that the club that they go to, that's the jazz club, is Marcellus's old club. And that's kind of his way of saying, like, I am I ended up on top. Because it's one of the only places we see uh, that could have been the same location as Marcellus's club, but 10 years later. And it's not lost on me that Tom Cruise and Ving Rhames also work together in Mission Impossible. So you can do with that what you will. But one moment that I thought was particularly telling, and it's kind of a weird moment, it's when the the wolf walks across the street in front of them, and they make eye contact, the wolf and and Tom Cruise, they they have this moment, and it's a weird moment, it's a metaphorical moment, it's all that. I think if if you just look at it through this lens of this is 
Vince Vega then and not Vince Collateral, um, that the wolf represents Winston Wolf from Pulp Fiction. Um, oh. And if you think about one of uh, his last lines, one of the last things Winston Wolf ever said to Vince Vega was, it's your future. I see a, a cab ride. He was right. Oh, he was exactly right. My goodness. And it comes full circle. Now, expanding this out into the other realms of the Tarantino universe, the plot, the progression of this is very similar to Kill Bill. You got five people that you got to take out. Uh, it's also established that Vince Vega was the brother of Vic Vega or Mr. Blonde uh, from Reservoir Dogs. And that whole crew of criminals, you'll remember, they had colors as their code names. Uh, and what is the word that's featured on the top of the cab the entire time? Silver. So Vince Vega is Mr. Silver. And um, yeah, that's that's kind of the, the expanded universe of if this is an older Vince Vega, how is he connected to his time in L.A.? What did he do afterwards? And I, I think when he stands in front of Max at the end, he, he makes no attempt to really shield himself from Max's weapon. He just kind of stands there full on. And I think he thought that he was protected like Jules was. Uh, and that's how he survived the shots from Bruce Willis and uh, when he was in the bathroom. And when Max gets him, he, he knows that it's finally over, even though he uh, he never would have believed it. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. So, yeah, that's, uh, that's the extent of my collateral fiction headcanon. <sighs> wow. Grayson, I am so astonished by that. My eyes are wide shut. <laughs> wow. Uh, All right. Now we're going to go to the part of the show where we like to talk to you about recasts and remakes. R -r recast. R -r remake. If this movie were to be remade today, who would you cast? What would the storyline be? If I were to recast this movie, I just, I had, there were no, there were no other two main actors uh, for the roles of Max and Vincent. Mm -hmm. uh, for the role of Vincent, it's Alec Baldwin. And oh. for Max, it's Tracy Morgan. I like uh, it. Yeah. It, it just has to be the two of them. Change nothing about the script. <laughs> I just want to see that oh, movie. That. Yeah. I didn't kill him. The bullets in the fall did. It's after 5 p.m. What am I, a farmer? <laughs> no, I love that recasting. Um, my recasting, uh, I also just did the, the two primaries here. Uh, for Vincent, I had Sam Rockwell. And then for Max, I, I had John Boyega yeah. from Star Wars. Nice. Oh, yeah, that he'd be great in this. Yeah, I think he'd be real strong. For a remake or a reimagining of this story, I'd like to see this as a graphic novel series where each issue was a different mark that they're leading towards. So it could be a five-issue series, whatever it is. Um, but the uh, B story and the C story would explore really what I think are the two unanswered questions in this movie, which uh, are Vincent's past and Max's future. So you would have these three lines of linear progression existing side by side, uh, and uh, you know they would be collateral. Mm -hmm. I love it. Yep. Now it makes sense. I gotta be honest, Grayson. Mm -hmm. 
It's a bit of a Jack Reacher, but I'll allow wow. it. Wow. I Just will when allow you it. thought you were out, they pull you back in. Oh, my <laughs> goodness. Oh. Also, if I had to remake this, I'd probably make it as just the worst episode of Cash Cab. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love it. Oh, yeah. Speaking of that, I think it would be really um, interesting to see this movie kind of like the third act of Chronicle, where uh, it's it's like a found footage movie, but you're just watching the whole thing through like uh, the dash cam and mm. just other security footage. Yeah, like police body cams. And yeah. yes. Yeah, yeah. That'd be awesome. Yeah, that'd be really interesting just to see how they piece this thing together. Like, I could imagine just the whole the whole night unfolding and no one really being any the wiser. Mm-hmm. And it just feels like basically Birdman, but if there are cameras in every room, kind yeah. of just like, it feels like it's just one continuous, like, almost linear like yeah between like for two hours this cab ride happened and he makes his all these hits during those times and we just see everything happen from that perspective yeah that'd be really uh fun to watch unfold like that yeah that'd be super cool that's the movie that's it you know they say lightning doesn't strike trice grayson Mm, mm -hmm. but they don't say the same thing about tropic thunder oh i you know i was wondering I was wondering, what would it take? <laughs> at what cost? <laughs> you know what you have when you have lightning and thunder, though? Uh, what, what, what do you have? You get rain, man. Yes. Just what I think couldn't go any further. Oh, this is just for us. Oh, it really it's clear is. now. <laughs> it's just for us. <sighs> okay, now we're going to go to our final segment of the show where we give you our reasons to recommend. So, Grayson, why would you recommend Collateral? So, I'd recommend Collateral because the character development and the relationships that you were talking about are so beautiful and clear. Like, Max has such a clear desire, um, and we're reminded of it throughout the film when we meet his mom in the picture and with Jada Pinkett Smith. And the, it's just, we're, we're, never at a loss for what he wants uh, and what he needs to do to get there. And so when he's confronted in the relationship with Vincent about if you want it so badly, why haven't you done it? It becomes a story about purpose and ambition and knowing what you need to do and having the confidence to do it. Because Max had the money to start the business. He just never had the confidence to pull the trigger, so to speak, to get his vision and dream uh, to be a reality. So it's not until he's about to lose everything, including his own life, that he takes a stand and fights for what he wants. And all the best stories are about characters fighting for what they want. And uh, you get this all over the place in this movie, and you see that turn. And it's almost like a a Breaking Bad-esque turn for him of, I'm Mm. sick of it, I'm going to move forward with my life, I've been doing the same thing for 12 years, just talking about my dreams, I'm going to make them happen. And that's very compelling. And, uh, I mean, the lesson is that he delayed progress towards his goal in the name of perfection as well. That was kind of a lie he told himself of, I can't do this until everything's perfect. And what you learn is like nothing, it will never be perfect because perfect doesn't exist. So uh, it's, he delayed his future 
because he was waiting for something that was never going to arrive. And it's not until he has these traumatic events that it shakes him loose from, from that stasis and says, no, now is the time. By the time the sun rises, you will take steps towards uh, what you truly want, both in relationships, professionally, your own, in your self-esteem internally. So um, I, I think that they're able to pack a lot of that consequence from these events and those lessons that he carries through in a very short amount of time uh, without it becoming muddled. The linear progression, the cause and effect to this movie is very clear. Um, they don't jump around in time. Uh, you stay with these characters almost the entire way through, uh, with the exception of some of Mark Ruffalo's stuff. But you see, like, a plus B equals C in this story. And so I think it's a very clear depiction of this is how you move towards a goal. Tom Cruise, his Vincent had a very clear goal. I need to get all five of these marks by the end of the night. And what happens is just how he goes about executing that goal. And it's not until Jamie Foxx, till Max steps up and says, I also have a goal to pursue now, that they start to have conflict with each other. So I just think it's it's really clean storytelling. Um, it's very compelling in the way that these characters fight for what they want. And because of that, you're able to just sit back and enjoy the ride. Nice. Yeah, I mean, this. I recommend this movie because it really is just... You know, I mean, from their, you know, respective places, it's just about a few good men living on the edge of tomorrow. Wow. I think that Tom Cruise really wants to do the right thing wow. to some degree. Yeah. <laughs> um, but he's just oblivion, sorry, oblivious uh, to... Was it a lightning uh, round? <laughs> Uh, he's just oblivious to uh, what he could do. Like I, I think he, I think both characters really do take pride in what they do, mm -hmm. uh, and they're both on two ends of the spectrum. Uh, and and like you said, they are uh, both trying to reach a goal, and it is both about them developing as characters. And you don't see a lot of story like this put into the action drama movie like genre i guess mm -hmm. uh and so I, I really recommend it for that uh jamie fox you know is really solid in this movie and and tom cruise is just always uh, a a treat to to see him do action and so if if you are looking for you know just a a sleeper hit uh from the early 2000s uh I, I definitely recommend Collateral because, I mean, I don't know, Valkyrie. That's all I have. That's all I have. <laughs> well, it's also an American-made film, so I think that... Uh, it is. Mm -hmm. that, that was a real subtle reference, by the way. Mm -hmm. um, it's it's, it's mm -hmm. stuff like this that people leave comments saying, I didn't like the kidding in the last, <laughs> in the last episode. <laughs> <laughs> Actual comment uh, we have received. I didn't like the kidding. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. You know what? And I don't blame you. I didn't like... I don't blame you. Listen, Grayson, mm -hmm. that comment was just one 
of many, okay? If anything, that was just a minority report. Yeah, you, okay. If you didn't say if it, you, I was. Um, <laughs> well, good. I think we've done everything that we can uh, that we can do here. It's far and yep, away. Yep. That, that so is that far is and away view. the most uh, reference-filled episode. So, uh, yeah. Uh, okay. Well. Yeah. So that is our review of the uh, 2004 uh, action movie Collateral. Let us know what you remember about Collateral on our social media on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We are at Flashback Flicks, and um. It really helps the show out if you could give this show a rating and review on your podcasting platform of choice. If you could give us a rating uh, on a scale of one to five, one being one hit, which, you know, ending a life isn't great. Uh, mm-hmm. But if mm-hmm. you if, if you go for five on a hit list, um, you, you have long-term goals, I guess. Yeah. I, I guess that's the way to spin it without um, us... Uh, without this episode ending up in uh, evidence, evidence, yeah, or just like a five star Uber ride, you know? Yeah, that's that's the better one. <laughs> I'm also that's interested. The one you'd, uh, <laughs> I I would I would also with. love it if someone because uh, and if you're listening, I would love it if you could um, also see how many references to Tom Cruise movies we made here. Just go back, listen through, make yourself a cocktail. And, um, yeah, I want the firm number, not like a ballpark range. And uh, that would be my uh, my gift. Because, you know, I just had a birthday. I was born on the 4th of July. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, that would be a, a really lovely birthday gift if you could just count up all the references. Because I am losing it over here with these Tom Cruise references. And if you do, the person who gets all references, because there is a number, I assume, um, we will welcome you into the rare membership of the Flashback Flix community. You'll be a gold member, if you will. <laughs> and be sure to tune in next time right here on the Flashback Flix Retro Movie Podcast. Until then, remember to be kind and rewind. Next time on the Flashback Flicks Retro Movie Podcast. With Lion King hitting theaters, we are going to be looking at the original Lion King subplot story following Timon and Pumbaa, Lion King one and a half. Hey, Ricky, do you know what Hakuna Matata means? Yeah, it means no worries for the rest of your days. Oh, no, no, you're thinking of residuals. I was thinking about that. Mm -hmm. I was thinking about that royalty check.